Welcome to Inside Out. Without prejudice or boundaries, this space is for raw and vulnerable conversations surrounding health, mental well-being, relationships, parenthood, and so much more. Our goal is to deliver a conversation that will educate and empower you through shared experiences told by inspiring and relatable guests. My name is Chris. I'm a wife, mum, and stepmom who is on a personal journey that cultivates a life of alignment and intention. I hope these conversations encourage you to do the same. Let's dive deep into today's episode. Hello and good morning. I hope you have all had a fabulous weekend. If you are following Inside Out with Chris on Instagram, you will have seen I have put up my Christmas giveaway. However, if you haven't, go and check it out. Valued at over $700, I wanted to spread some love this Christmas and share some of my favorite products and brands. As a mum, I know the load that we carry going into the silly season between wrapping the prezzies, organizing family logistics, planning grocery lists weeks in advance. It's seriously a lot. So this giveaway includes all of my favorite things. So please make sure that you head on over to the gram and tag yourself or someone you know deserves a little extra love this Christmas. Episode 65 is with Kath from The Fitness Mama. Kath is a physio and mama who specializes in pregnancy and postnatal safe and supported workouts. In today's episode, we dive into pre and postnatal care, including understanding our pelvic floor and the recovery process our bodies need postpartum. We discuss some of the common mistakes for women with things like intimacy and the importance of listening to our bodies throughout this time. We discuss strategies to put in place returning to movement like high intensity and running. Kath also shares her personal journey with postpartum recovery. I hope that you enjoy this episode and please make sure that you send it to a girlfriend who you feel like might need to hear this conversation if she is pregnant or um, expecting um, to have children soon or perhaps she's in her postpartum state. Um, And please go and leave a quick review. Written review on Apple Podcasts really help me to support more women. So I need your help supporting me to support more women in their motherhood journey. All right, let's dive into today's beautiful conversation with Kath. Kath, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. I am very excited to be talking with you, a women's health physio who is going to chat about all things postpartum and prenatal, I imagine. So let's dive into it. First of all, how are you? Oh, good. Thanks, Chris. At the time of recording, you know, we're just coming out of lockdown. Kid, my one child is back at school. So today is a good day. (laughs) Oh, that's so, so good. Um, So let's hear a little bit about you and your work. Tell me all about, you know, who you are, where you're from, all the things. Yeah. So my name's Catherine Bequee. I'm a physio for women and right from the get-go, like from graduating physiotherapy, you you go into physio thinking it's all about sports, right? Mm. And then you discover that there's something called women's health. And I've just been drawn to women's health, even from a young 20-year-old, you know, exercising with all the pregnant mums. It's just such a beautiful area of Mm. work. And I'm so, I guess I feel so lucky to be in it. It's Mm. lovely. And I soon realised from an early time as a physio student, I was working for a football team, you know, you'd have to go out and massage their sweaty hamstrings on the footy field at halftime. And I soon realised, no, this isn't for me. I much prefer to deal with my pregnant mums and new mums and all women really. So I work clinically and I see a lot of women with pelvic health issues. So whether or not that's leaking, prolapse, which might be noticed as a vaginal bulge or a vaginal lump, or pelvic heaviness, dragging, so those sorts of sensations. Um, 
there's a lot more to it. But yeah, a lot of those issues or aches and pains around that pregnancy postpartum time. So yeah, and the more women I could, I started seeing one-on-one, the more women would start to say to me, oh, I wish I'd done this sooner or I wish I'd known this sooner. Soon started realizing I, I would be seeing women in the clinic with these issues once they had already risen. Mm. So you know, women already have issues with incontinence and prolapse or aches and pains or difficulty mm. getting back into running, that sort of thing after postpartum. So that's where I guess I started to dive more into that being proactive and preventative and that's Mm. where my work is at the moment as well as seeing women clinically but that's me in a nutshell yeah I think that women's health physios just that there's not enough information surrounding postpartum fitness and health um, and even prenatal fitness and health and it's people like yourself coming into the space of on being online and showing how you can take care of your body and how you can be proactive and active with your body while pregnant and then postpartum, there is a, a way that you can safely return to exercise, you know, as soon as six weeks, as soon as you've got that clearance and things. For me, when I had my son, Jesse, who's almost three, I can't believe I'm saying that, but he's almost three. I didn't know that women's health physios existed. No one told me. I didn't have any information from the GP. No one sort of mentioned it. So I didn't know anything about it um, until my daughter, Lola. And I had, when I had Jesse, um, the whole pregnancy running caused a lot of pain from the get-go. So I stopped running really early. Um, And then when I tried to return to running, the pain was still there postpartum. And I didn't do anything about it because I didn't know anything about it. So I just pushed through until it sort of stopped hurting eventually after um, about a year. And then I had my daughter Lola and all of that pain came back again. And it was the same situation, but I went and saw a physio who guided me to a safe return back to running. And basically there was nothing wrong with me. My muscles just need needed time to heal. Mm, you're right. And it's, it's such a massive thing our bodies go through. Like mm. pregnancy, childbirth, doesn't matter what sort of birth you end up having. It's just massive on our body. And I often liken it to the football injury. If you have an injury on the footy field, you'll probably have like if it's a hamstring tear or let's say it's an ACL reconstruction, you'll have surgery. Then you'll have a period of rest. Mm. Then you'll have a period of rehab before you finally gradually get back into, you know, whatever it is that you're doing. Mm. Whereas unfortunately, like it's improving, but in our society, two weeks postpartum, our partner might not have any parental leave anymore. You know, you're left wrangling two children maybe or three children or whatever it is. And yeah, it's, super important. Did you notice it impacted your mental health when you had these issues with pain? Definitely. Um, I had a lot of pain with intercourse as well. And we couldn't really pinpoint that. That's sort of what triggered me to go and see a women's health physio. Cause I'm like, okay, it's not just impacting me now. Um, and I was post six weeks and I had all my clearances and things and I was returning back to exercise and I was doing the things that I could do when I wasn't pregnant again, except for that pain that it brought. And there was nothing physically wrong with me and no one could really give me an answer. So she gave me a, um, a few different exercises and things. And over the course of probably six weeks, things started to improve and I have nothing, no pain or anything now. Mm-hmm. And she also probably believed that when I returned back to exercise with my son, Jesse, and having not seen anyone, that that could have basically triggered some other or activated some other wounds that was unhealed essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. 
so yeah, I really found that it was a great way for support and to ask the crazy questions because sometimes when you're in your GP office and, you know, most people have a regular GP like I do. Um, he's been my GP since I was born. He's seen all the things, done all the things, but it is a little bit uncomfortable and someone trained specifically to know your vagina is going to be a little bit of a better comfort zone, I think. Mm. And, you know, that GP, that medical um that postnatal check is super important, but it's also only 10 minutes. So mm. they can only do so much. And that's yep. where I guess seeing a physio, we sit down with you for a good 45 minutes or whatever. We ask about everything, bowels, yep. bladder, sex. Um, no stone goes left unturned. But as a result, yeah. we can really help the whole being, so mm. to speak. Mm. Mm. Yeah, Absolutely. So we'll dive into some questions. Once a woman has a baby, what can she do in those first six weeks to really help with that recovery? Okay. I love this stage of what I call postnatal rehab. So right from when the baby's born, you're in your period of rehab. You're recovering from birth. And this period is six weeks. It's all about rest, rest and recovery. And this is a really good foundation for your long-term recovery. Mm. So I think some cultures do this period really well. Um, you know, you hear cultures where, let's say, um, they like back in the day they used to be in their hut. Their only job is to care for their baby and feed their baby. And the rest of the village would chip in and bring the food. And, you know, the woman wasn't allowed to leave the hut, that sort of thing. So it was, they really helped to nurture the mother. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in our society, we're sort of left to fend for ourselves, especially when you throw yeah. COVID, COVID into it. So um, this six weeks, if you just had, a, if you're listening today and you've just had a baby, I'd say take away the guilt, you know, just put your feet up, relax. Horizontal rest is amazing. Yeah. So even when we're sitting, we've got the weight of gravity sitting on our pelvic floor and our abdominals are working and to get that rest we Mm. really need to get our bodies horizontal to take that gravitational force off what about um low impact walking do you encourage that in that six weeks yes i'm really conservative and this is partly due to personal experience but also experience of so many mums in the clinic and my membership too so i recommend five minutes in that first week 10 minutes second week 15 minutes third week 20 minutes, fourth week, 25 minutes, fifth week, and 30 minutes, sixth week. And that's general information only. So if you've got questions or you've had a, you know, tricky birth, do definitely consult your um, healthcare provider. But Mm. I think less is more in those early days. So Mm. at two weeks after birth with my first baby, I felt amazing. You know, I thought, it was a relatively good childbirth and I was feeling good. And my friend said to me, do you want to, you know, I'd love to meet your little baby. Do you want to go and meet for coffee? And I was like, yeah, sure. So we organized a cafe that was close by. It was like 15 minutes or 20 minutes walk, mm-hmm. which for me wasn't a lot, you know, during pregnancy, I'd been fit and active. And so off I trotted with the pram and the baby, my 15, 20 minute walk to the cafe, sat down, had my coffee. So when you're sitting you're up against gravity, then I walked home. I went via the IGA. So I bought some bread and milk, popped it under the pram. And by the time I got home, it was a good two to three hours later. 
And I remember that specific spot. Like if you've heard me talk before, you've probably heard this story a million times, but I remember the spot on the hill where I started to feel prolapse symptoms. So I suddenly started to feel that pelvic heaviness, that dragging. It felt like my insides were going to fall out. Like it yeah. felt like there's a ton of bricks sitting on my pelvic floor and there was no warning. And this is the case for a lot of women in this postnatal stage. Yeah. Often we go from feeling good to not feeling good with very little warning sign. And that's why I'm a firm believer of less is more in these first six weeks postpartum. Mm. You know, build up slowly. No, don't do what I did and set out for three hours. Um, and, yeah, chip away slowly at your recovery. So that horizontal rest, short little walks. Um, what else can we do in those first six weeks? There's heaps. How long do we have? So, um, <laughs> yeah, and first... what about, like, weightlifting and things, lightweights, but, like, you know, low repetitions, picking up a barbell, picking up a kettlebell, things like that. Are you able to go back into that that early? It is, I will admit, that I did do that with Jesse. I was getting married 16 weeks later and I was under a very strict training regime with myself and I felt good. So that I had Jesse, both, both my babies were really good births. I was really lucky. Um, and four hours later I was sent home and I walked out of the hospital totally fine. Like nothing. I, I was fine other than um, the afterbirth pains, which no one warned me about, by the way, <laughs> that was annoying. Um, other than that, I was fine. So the next day we got, I got up and the kid, I have two stepdaughters and they wanted to go to the park and the, they said they wanted to take the baby to the park. So up we all walked and I was fine. I was really lucky. So I did return back to High, not really high intensity, I wouldn't call it, but weightlifting, like a light weight, a kettlebell here and there, deadlifts and not squats or anything like that. Um, you know, training shoulders and upper body movements. And I did that within the first week that I had him. Now, big no-no, I know, but I did it. And uh, yeah, like, can you do, does anyone recommend yeah. that? <laughs> so look, everyone is different with their recovery and everyone's different from, everyone's coming from a different baseline. Mm. So I guess the things to be aware of is when we, so in, I'll just say the general recommendations first and then I'll talk through why. Like at the end of the day, you can do whatever you want. Anyone can do what they want. So I think if we can empower ourselves with as much knowledge as possible, then, you know, at the end, it, it is your decision. And at the time we're doing, we're all doing the best we can. So um, yeah, so I think no regrets or anything like that in life. Like we're just we're just <laughs> soldiering on, aren't we, and doing our best, mm. muddling along, I should say. Mm. Um, so when general recommendation is not to lift anything heavier than your baby for the first six weeks, and that's generally because if we think about a vaginal birth, your pelvic floor muscles have stretched up to three hundred percent. That's three times the natural length. So if we put that in, if we compare that to a hamstring strain, a hamstring tears at about, don't quote me, I have to look at this up, but I'm pretty sure it's about 18% of its length they strain. So the pelvic floor muscles have an amazing capacity to stretch. The thing is during childbirth, it's not just the muscles that stretch, it's the connective tissue and the fascia. You know how when you eat a piece of steak, it's not just the red meat, you get the white bits and the sinewy bits. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So you could be the strongest woman in the world and have the strongest muscles, but it's, it's everything that's stretched. And really we just need time to help with that natural recovery and that mm. knitting over. So if we liken 
childbirth to say a pelvic um, an elastic band stretching, we want that natural recoil to occur as much as possible. Mm. So I personally, I'm on the conservative side, but I know everyone's different and everyone's coming from a different, um, you know, different stage. But mm. I, my recommendations is to, like you can still do short bursts of exercise, but just limit the weights to the size, uh, weight of your baby. And that's not so much because of your arm weight, arm strength. It's more because when you lift weights, it puts this downward pressure through your pelvic floor and asserts pressure on your abs and pelvic floor, which have stretched. And we want, yeah, yeah we want that natural recovery, that elastic band to recoil. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it totally does. Um, pelvic floor wasn't something of even a sentence or word that I had even heard of before I fell pregnant. And then suddenly it was pelvic floor, this pelvic floor, that, and mm. everyone was talking about my fucking pelvic floor so <laughs> I would love you to just explain what is it what is the pelvic okay. floor? right come and visit me on Instagram at fitness mama because I often show you like talk you through pelvic floor on insta stories and like get my pelvis out I've got a lovely pelvic <laughs> model here which I'm yeah. showing Chris as we speak I wish podcasts were videos sometimes yeah. so pelvic your pelvic floor it's called that because it's the floor of the pelvis so it's a group of muscles and connective tissue that sit at the floor mm. of your pelvis. And it's the only thing really at the floor. So it surrounds the openings, your, um, your urethra where the wee comes out, your vagina, and then your anus. So it's this band of muscles that sit at the floor of the pelvis and they're responsible for keeping us dry. So helping to prevent incontinence, which is the leaking of urine, but also feces and also wind as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also for helping to prevent prolapse. So that's supporting the organs we're talking about to help prevent that vaginal bulge that I was talking mm-hmm. about. Mm-hmm. So they're the two main functions of the pelvic floor, but we also want them working well to help with things such as um, sexual sensations. Um, uh, yeah, that and constipation is another one as well. Mm-hmm. If our pelvic floor is overactive and hypertonic it's the opposite issue of weak almost there's two so it gets complicated are you with me yeah <laughs> yep. some eyes i'm yep. vaguing yep. out here yep no i'm just so <laughs> pelvic floor i'm imagining get- the, the the pelvic floor and i'm imagining myself when i was pregnant i'm like wow it's changed <laughs> yeah well that's right but um yeah so with issues such as irritable bowel dis- um, irritable bowel, or you might have had endometriosis or those pelvic pain conditions. Mm. Sometimes our pelvic floor can actually be overactive mm. and we might need to learn how to relax our pelvic floor. What do women need to know about the pelvic floor with both vaginal and C-sections? What's most important, do you feel? Okay, even if you've had a cesarean, unfortunately, it's not protective against pelvic floor issues. And by the time we get to menopause, it, the risk is pretty much leveled out whether or not you've had a vaginal or a cesarean. Mm-hmm. So there's a spike of pelvic floor issues with pregnancy and childbirth. Mm-hmm. And then there's another spike of issues around menopause time. So I reckon it's always better to get onto it sooner rather than later. Mm-hmm. So if you are listening to this podcast and you're thinking, oh gosh, I am having issues with you know, leaking when I cough, mm. or I I have got a bit of a funny sensation down there that's not normal for me, or sex is painful, or chronic constipation, just go and get it checked out. So the key things to be aware of with pelvic floor, first thing is to how, how do you relax your pelvic floor? 
how do you let them drop and flop? How do you let them go? So taking away that muscle tension. Mm. So that's the first one. And then the second one is how do I strengthen them? How do I do quick lifts? How do I do do strength holds? And this is something I incorporate in all my workouts because I know it, knowing what to do is sometimes the easy thing. Like once you've been for a pelvic floor assessment or if you've learned how to do them, knowing what to do is easy, right? Mm. The hard part is actually remembering to do them. And I know as busy mums, I don't know about you, but pelvic floor is not that exciting. It's a bit No, boring. it was really, really consuming, like time consuming for me to prioritise the exercises mm. that I was given. Like I was really frustrated that I had to do it. And I'm like, this isn't going to work. I was so yeah. towards it actually doing yeah, it. Okay. But I know that because I, I know that because I did it, it worked. Yeah. Um, because I am someone that advocates for you've got to do the work to get the results yeah. for anything in life. So, you know, you can't just expect that everything's going to go back to normal when it's indicating that it's just not and not do anything about it. Like taking action is so important and being consistent with your um, healing modality, whatever that looks like for you through that time. Mm. So I've got some tips around that because you're yeah. right. It can be a challenge and it, you, we don't want it to be a drag because the more that we think negatively with them, the mm. harder they're going mm-hmm. to get. So one tip is to like, if you've had your baby and you're feeding your baby you know, multiple times a day is trying to tap onto a routine that you're already doing. So whether mm. or not that's feeding your baby, brushing your teeth is another great one. Mm. And that's another example, brushing our teeth boring right but we're in the routine of we just do it Mm, mm. um so doing it when you brush your teeth is another way to just remember to do them and that's why like with my program I'm always getting into the community and the Facebook group and talking women with a video through your um, pelvic floor because I find that video interaction so much Mm. more exciting (laughs) not that they can be exciting but yeah yeah and also seeing if you can interweave them into whatever exercise you're doing too so whether or not that means doing a set of pelvic floor at the very end of your exercise or doing them whilst you're doing your bicep curls, that sort of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Now, just on exercise, what are some steps around getting back to you, the high impact side of things and running? Because, you know, you get to that six week mark, a lot of people go all in, um, a lot of people are still quite nervous and will withhold or, you know, resist doing high impact movement until six months, nine months, 12 months, even sometimes, because we're scared. I know that I jump on the trampoline with my kids sometimes and I've, my Lola's 16 months old. So my vagina feels like it's going to fall out. <laughs> but I don't have any other issues. Like when you just jumping, yeah. jumping, jumping for a certain amount of time, like this mm-hmm. feels funny. Yeah. Um, this doesn't okay. feel good. <laughs> yeah. And you know what? You're, what you said, you're not alone. Like everyone Mm-mm. probably feels something at some stage or other. So going back, I don't feel like I finished off those first six weeks. Mm. Just quickly, icing, icing is amazing for that, particularly that first week postpartum, if you have any aches and pains. Um, And we've talked about the horizontal rest, avoiding constipation. Um, And if you have to cough, like just get any coughs and colds seen to with a GP as soon as possible, like if you've got asthma and that sort of thing. Um, and then support shorts can also feel really nice. So mm. recovery shorts or tubey grip. Um, there's lots of pros and cons for different types. Um, yeah, so it's quite involved. I've got a podcast episode on that if you're interested Great. in learning more about the different types yeah. because there's some recovery shorts, there's belly bands, there's lots 
out there on the market yeah, yeah, yeah. and they've all got their role to play. Mm. So then from six weeks onwards, let's say you've had your medical check and you're thinking, you know, I want to get moving a bit more. I'm ready to get a bit strong again. This is where I'm just such a fan of postnatal rehab. I think every woman needs some sort of postnatal rehab because whether or not we feel amazing or not, like our body has been through so much. So if we can, everyone's goals will be different, right? So if you can think, what do I want to be doing in 12 months time or 12 years time or whatever it is, if it's jumping on the trampoline with your kids, running around at the park, or perhaps it's running the next marathon. So if you can think about what your end goal is, then you can break that down into steps. And including, in my opinion, all the way, including your pelvic floor and core and your your strength-based exercises. So there's the two aspects. We want to build up our walking tolerance. You know, if you want to get back into running, you might want to start your short bursts. But alongside that, I think every step of the way, we also need to be building on our weakest links, which is our pelvic floor and our tummy usually. Mm. So building on the whether or not it's Pilates that work for you, home-based or going to your local centre or doing a home program, whatever works for you in your life, but working on some element of general body strengthening, which includes pelvic floor and core. And if you're doing that alongside a walking program, that's amazing. Mm. What um, sort of core movements would you encourage people to start as on as a foundation for their return to strengthen their core? Uh, to me, like there's no one exercise. It's like every like every one of our exercises in Fitness Mama involves core. So whether or not that's like you, you need to do a variety that could include anything from single leg balance work um, through to you know your traditional sit ups through to um, use with TheraBand, like there's so many. You could be doing a bicep curl and still involving your core. Oh, absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so that's a real, I find that a tricky question to answer. Yeah. I do, yeah, um, and it depends what equipment you've got, if you're doing home-based, but, yeah, interweaving, That that's why I think when we have a baby, our, our bodies they're quite unique at this stage of our life. And this is where if, if you can find a trusted healthcare professional to talk you through a program that's perfect for pregnancy and postpartum, I think that's where you're, you're best off because it depends. Have you got pelvic girdle pain? Do you have pelvic floor concerns? Mm. Have you got prolapse? So everything will need to be adapted basing, based on where you're at but also what your goals are. Right, yes. That's so helpful. I feel like so many women will really resonate with everything that you're saying and take so much in, especially if they're in their postpartum season or even for women that haven't had a baby yet and or they're trying or they're pregnant. You know, it's so helpful to have this support and have these conversations. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm really grateful that we were able to talk because it's just like I wish that I had this in my ears when I was pregnant with my son, Jesse. You know, you don't yeah. know until you know. Mm. Um but can I also say, he, uh, what I'm talking about, it can also 
feel quite overwhelming because if you're at this stage of postpartum where you're sleep deprived, you know, you're exhausted, you've got all mm. the hormones, like everything's <sighs> happening. Yeah. Like when someone says you've got to do this and you've got to do that, you've got to get, you know, start walking and start exercising. It's the last thing you might feel like doing. Yeah. So if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh my gosh, like what planet are you on? Because <laughs> I'm not at this stage. I just want to say, you know, that's, that's okay. Like, mm. I think that's where if we can find something to help us feel like it doesn't need to be an hour long workout. And I'm so in favor of even five minutes of beautiful stretches to help you feel more invigorated. Mm. Or if you're feeling achy, a cup, you know, 10 minutes of gentle work to help you feel a bit looser or Mm. like it can only it can just be bite-sized pieces and if you've got your baby around you that's where I think five minutes here 10 minutes there these little um, chipping away at these little stepping stones is achievable more achievable but also I think if it's more realistic as well I know as a mom I've got three kids like my idea of going like what I used to do pre-kids was, you know, meet up with a friend, go for a long hour walk or a run, mm. go to the gym. Like it was so time consuming. It's different and now. <laughs> it's different. Like as a mom, you just, and this, yeah, this is where I personally, like I know I'm biased, but I think home, home programs are really great for a certain time in our life. Yes. You know, you don't need to bundle your toddler into the car. You don't need to pack your nappy bag. You can just do five minutes while they're kicking on the floor next to you. Yeah. Like they don't need, so if you're listening to this, like don't think it it has to be anything hard or time consuming. Even if you're feeling exhausted, finding something that helps you feel, you know, a bit fresher Mm. rather than depleting you is really important. Yeah, I think something that um, I've been talking about in my wellness reset group, um, I mentioned just before we hit record that I've got a group of women, all like-minded, wanting to reset their well-being. And in that group, I've been discussing that for me over the better part of the last decade, I have, by overcomplicating what healthy looks like, so by trying all these workouts, all these Mm. different gyms, all these coaches, all these PTs, all these um, different paleo, this, that, you know, all the things, whilst all incredible on their own, that's fantastic. By doing that and overcomplicating what health looks like, I have compromised my health Mm. because I only remained consistent with these things for so long until I would give up, fall off the rails, do this, do that, go unhealthy for a while. And then I'd find something, another fat, another diet. And we are so overexposed to all of this online. So creating sustainable habits is, might look like five minutes of burpees a week. And then you're going on for, and then the next thing day, you do something a little bit simpler. It might be two minutes of push-ups. I don't know what, whatever it looks like for you, whatever movement um, brings you joy is what you should be doing. It could be 10 minute kitchen dance party with your kids. It doesn't matter Mm. what exercise is. I think we've been convinced and from, you know, social media and so overexposed in this current climate and space of all the things we should be doing. We've Mm. lost the the joy for movement. Movement's meant to be medicine. Movement's meant to make you feel good. It's as you just said, it's not supposed to make you feel depleted. It's not supposed to make it hard to get up in the morning or your body Mm. ache all the time. You are supposed to feel more love for yourself after you move you're supposed yeah. to feel that prep that pride you know and empowered um and I really can, yeah sorry go yeah can I say my favorite not my favorite my kids favorite time of the day at, at some stage I couldn't leave 
I found it hard to leave the house, you know, with multiple children. And I would do what we call, what I'd call the wiggles workout. Mm. So I'd say to the girls, you know, put, um, cause I've got three daughters. I'd say, put the wiggles on TV. Let's do a wiggles workout. And so they just watch wiggles, but during the songs, we'd all dance together. And then when they were talking, I'd do a set of push-ups or mm. tricep dips or yeah, just moved my body in that sort of way. And it was only 10 minutes, but afterwards the kids loved it. I felt better and uh, yeah. Yeah, totally. I have a um, girlfriend in the group that um, is studying uni at night and she's a full-time mum at home as well. And she's got a lot going on. So the studying component at nighttime, she's feeling, you know, no energy to do it and then no energy to train and all the things. And I was like, just do two minutes of burpees when the kids go to bed and you'll be, endorphins will start flowing and you'll be right to get Mm. studying. And she couldn't believe how well it worked. I'm like, that's, you don't, it doesn't need to be that hard. Mm. You just, you're doing it for the love of your body and to get that endorphin hit, because we know once that switches on and into gear, there's a flow-on effect in other areas of our life we make better food choices we're kinder to our partners when they get home from their long day of work and we've been home all day with the kids we're more patient um and and we have more time for us we get that moment whatever that looks like two minutes or 20 minutes it doesn't matter and as Mm. you said earlier piling the kids in the car to get to a gym to put them in a crash so that you can do a one-hour workout sometimes in the season of life it's not sustainable and I've actually learned this recently I've quit my um, CrossFit gym membership I loved it there I love still love it there I will get back one day but right now my babies were sleeping till six but now they're waking at 5 30 quarter past five and I want to be with them and I can't go at 5 a.m now because mm. they're awake so it's I either do take them with me mm. pull them pile them in and they just scream the whole time because they want to play yeah it's yeah. not worth it. Not worth it. I agree. Mm. <laughs> but you've sort of, sometimes you just need to get to that point where it's just too hard before you change, mm. I think. Um, yeah. But you're right. Physical health and mental health are so amazingly linked. Yeah. And like physical health has been linked with better feelings of self-worth, um, like confidence. There's so many reasons why moving our body is just beautiful in so many oh. ways to help us feel. It's not about getting um, you know, losing weight. And like a lot of people say they want, like I almost say to my mom's, my membership's not for you if you want to lose weight. Like, sure, that might be a byproduct, but this is for you if you want to feel good inside out. And yeah. Yeah. So oh, I, think, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. What are some of your tips, I suppose, um, for us to know how we can support people in our life that might be fresh in that postpartum state? Because I know what I needed and you might have known what you needed in your postpartum state, but how that looks for me doesn't look for the people in my life. Like we've got different lifestyles. So what are some tips that you can recommend so that we can really, really strengthen those relationships during that time? Yeah. This is, it's a really important one to talk about, isn't it? Because Mm -hmm. that first, especially the first six weeks, it goes by so quickly. And, um, and I guess coming from a physical perspective, I, I I think if you, if, if they've got older children, don't you agree? Like if someone could take your older children out for a park play, like Mm -hmm. to me, that would be I would love that over (laughs) 10 meals or flowers or I'm like, just, you know, entertain my older children, take them out to the lovely park, you know, around the corner or so that's one way we can really help 
that woman nourish her body because then she'll get some downtime. She'll get to put her feet up. That helps with her pelvic floor recovery. Um, it helps with her mental health. Like there's so many reasons. So I'm a huge one of helping care for the older children. Mm-hmm. And anything that can lighten their load physically too. Mm. And that might even be if you meet a mum at the cafe, like help to get her pram out of the car or help to carry her baby if it's in the capsule, which hopefully it's not in those first six weeks because that's so much, that just weighs, it weighs so much a baby in a capsule. So if you've got your baby in a capsule, that's great, but pop it into the pram rather than walking with the capsule. Yeah. Um, But those sorts of things, so helping a mum out physically because she might just be trying to do it all herself, like holding the nappy bag, you know, just even Mm. taking the nappy bag off them. I think those small Little touches can mean the world. Um, for me, there's like, a million more. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like with witching hour for me of a night time, that was the hardest time because everyone's feral and hubby's walking in the door from work. And so like the household's pure chaos. And then you got to manage it all. Like, you know, yes, you can have a meal cooked, but it doesn't take away the bath time and dressing and doing this and doing that. That's the most chaotic time of the night for me. So having that support, I was really lucky. I would have mum would come over and she would just help with that witching hour and then go and that's all I needed at that time. Mm. Um, But I'm really lucky I have my mum close by. Some people don't. So asking a support person, asking a girlfriend to come and help because whilst our husbands are all fantastic at a lot of really good things, some of them just can't nail the witching hour. But they're great at other things. And some of them are really good at that. But um, mine in particular works all day. He works, you know, 14-hour days and comes home and, you know, witching Mm. hour we normally skip over. But, um, yeah. One of my friends recently, there was a neighbour who, she was 13 years old, and she paid the neighbour, like, you know, a small amount of money. The neighbour was so happy this little girl came and helped to just read to the older children. So, so it was just, yeah, she was 13 years old. doesn't cost, you know, like you should still pay her, but um, yeah, that can also be a nice way. I think something as simple as as that. Yeah. Just giving them that that attention that, because, you know, I'm sure that you have experienced this too. You've got three kids. I've got four. They all want you and they want one-on-one with you. And I felt so pulled and drained with Lola being our last um, because I wanted to be with her, but I also felt this this pain trying to pull myself towards them and give them that one-on-one time time that they desperately craved. And then my son, Jesse, being a toddler with the jealousy and the things. So just having someone cut me in and step in and someone just to give the older children the one-on-one time that they're seeking Mm -hmm. and validate those feelings would be really, really supportive because it just takes a load off your shoulders, that heaviness, that shame, that, you know, guilt of mum life, you know, we all carry it every day in so many ways. What you're saying is totally reminding me of the fact that I would love the nighttime feeds with my third baby for that reason is that I could actually focus on her yeah. rather than, you know, feeding whilst you're trying to create a toddler snack. And yeah. Oh, totally. <laughs> I, I stopped breastfeeding with my son, Jesse, when we had him because we had the girls and it was school holidays and um, it was a chaos. I stopped at six, seven weeks and I felt the guilt so strongly because they kept needing me and I kept not being there for them when they oh. needed me that I couldn't do it anymore. It was too hard. I felt too guilty doing it. So with Lola, I really prioritized it and I miss those night feeds because it was just me and her and it was just so calm oh. and yeah having all these podcast interviews it makes me for a fourth (laughs) don't do it (laughs) 
I'm warning you, this is my, <laughs> my husband's had the snip, so oh, <laughs> well, then that, would be, that would be a complicated component to the oh. relationship, I'm sure. Yeah. We got a puppy instead. Good. I, I mean, they're, just, they're just as tough. I'm not getting a dog. My kids all want a dog. I'm like, yep, not happening, not in these house. Uh, I've got two toddlers. The good thing is when you get annoyed with them, you can just chuck them outside and shut the door. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. I can only do that during the day for the children. So. <laughs> that is a joke. I don't um, lock my children outside. <laughs> any Karens watch listening? <laughs> well, thank you so much, Kath, for coming on today. It's been absolutely beautiful to chat with you. I've taken so much from this conversation. I'm not even pregnant, but I know that I can help so many of my friends and family just by listening to your expert advice. It's been fabulous. Thank you, Chris. It was a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Inside Out. I really want to grow in this space and make sure these stories and experiences are heard. If this episode resonated with you, I would love to hear from you. Please leave me a review and hit subscribe to ensure you don't miss our next conversation. Please also join me on Instagram and let me know what you thought about this episode at Inside Out with Chris. I can't wait to share more with you really soon.